Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Timonini. I hope that you all had wonderful Thanksgivings wherever and with whomever you chose to celebrate. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theatrical podcasts. For this episode, I was fortunate to speak with Tony nominee Montego Glover earlier in the week. Glover took over the role of Angelica Schuyler in the Chicago production of Hamilton in early September, replacing Tony winner Karen Olivo. However, her stint in the Windy City is not her only out-of-town engagement of 2017. She began the year in Toronto, where she worked alongside Victoria Clark, Judy Kaye, and more on the latest Maltby and Shire musical, Suzatska. So, in addition to talking about her experience in Hamilton and what makes that show so special, we also talk about what it means and how it works for a New York actor, well, to be working somewhere other than New York. However, before we get into all of that, let me refresh your memory about Montego's CV. Glover made her Broadway debut as a replacement in the original production of The Color Purple as an understudy for both Celia and Nettie. Montego's breakthrough role was a few years later as Felicia in the 2010 Tony winner for Best Musical, Memphis. The role earned her a Tony nomination and her first Drama Desk Award. She returned to Broadway in 2015 in the new musical It Should Have Been You, and later that year took over the role of Fontaine in the revival of Les Mis. Most recently in New York, last year she starred as Nina in Marco Ramirez's award-winning play The Royale at Lincoln Center. The show won a number of major off-Broadway awards, including a drama desk for Outstanding Ensemble. In addition to her theatrical work, she has also had recurring television roles on Smash, Hostages, and The Following. So, now that you're reacquainted with her resume, without further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful and talented Montego Glover. First off, how is Chicago? Chicago is amazing. Great, great city, really. How, comparing it to New York, and I know you're originally from the South, um, and we even went to school in the South. I actually live in Orlando, Florida. I know you went to Florida oh. State, so, but I did, I, I used to live in Chicago. So, how do you compare it to either where you're from or to New York, where you, well, supposedly live now? <laughs> um, you know, compared to New York, now, being a New Yorker, uh, Chicago is definitely um, an urban space, and I can appreciate that, being a New Yorker. Um, there's something uh, cleaner and a little quieter and a little more gentle about Chicago. <laughs> I really do know now that I live here why it's called the second city, because it certainly has that urban vibe, which is wonderful, but there's something up that separates it from New York. And I think those things for me are they, you know what I mean? Just a little cleaner, a little quieter and a little gentler. Um, and it, it, compared to where I'm from, I mean, you know, <clears throat> what I love about being from the South is the lifestyle and the culture, which is very different from being a city dweller, you know, living in lots of green and mountains and valleys and rivers and, and uh, country, as it were, it has its own, what's the word, um, value, but so does being an urban, an urban yeah. person. So I gather the richness and I gather the 
the joy in the life every day from both places. And Chicago, honestly, has proven itself to be very, very welcoming. I've never worked here for any length of time, was not terribly familiar with the city. So it's been great to get to know the girl. She's she's lovely. <laughs> she is lovely. I, have you been able to, you've only been there for what, two months now, two and a half months? Um, yeah, a little over. Yeah. Have you been able to go out and get to familiarize yourself, not just with your neighborhood or wherever you're living, but the city as a whole and take in some of the sites and the different touristy type things uh, as you kind of got settled into Chicago? Yes, slowly but surely. You know, the first order of business was hit the ground running and get right. started on Hampton. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but so far as getting an opportunity to really explore the city, it's a bit of a, a slower process, but definitely enjoyable. For example, Navy Pier. Um, I've compared Giordano's to Lumonati's. Um, <laughs> getting over to Millennium Park. The Mile, of course. The magnificent, magnificent mm-hmm. Mile. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so on. It's been it's been really lovely, and I'm looking forward to exploring more of the city, getting yeah. across the river. I live in the Loop, so getting across the river and and seeing more of the landscape outside of you know the theater district and, and right here in downtown. Yeah. Did you get your picture taken with the with the big bean yet? Have you gone and done that in Millennium Park? I have not, but I'm about to to make that happen and make it a staple for, of all of my friends and family who come to visit. <laughs> Good. That's kind of, you have to in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, what I appreciated about the time I lived in Chicago is I lived up um, a little bit north, or, north in, in Wrigleyville. So, I mean, it was kind of, that was more of a suburbs, not the right word, but it wasn't the heart of downtown. So you kind of had the city stuff. You had the L right there, but it was a little more neighborhoody than, uh, than, than living down in the, you know, in the loop probably where you're at. Yes. Yes. You know, in New York, I live in Brooklyn. So, uh, commuting from Brooklyn to Midtown every day when I'm working on a Broadway show is its own sort of lifestyle. And one of the things I love about living in Brooklyn is that I get the best of both worlds. I get a neighborhood with brownstones and tree-lined streets and a very cozy, warm and welcoming everyday life in that way. But then when it's time to, you know, run into the the muck and the madness, I mean those <laughs> very, very kindly. Of course. Um, the muck and the madness, I, you know, hop on the train and, and off I go. And here, it's a little different. I'm five minutes from the theater, so I really live in the heart of it, in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're you're speaking of you you live in Brooklyn supposedly, but as we said, you're <laughs> you're you've not spent a ton of time in New York this year. You kind of started the year off up in Toronto, now you're in in Chicago. It's not that you haven't done shows across the country before. You've done out of town tryouts and regional shows, but I mean, I, I know that's part of the life of being an actor, but is it difficult to uproot your entire life for two, three, four months, or maybe in the case of Hamilton, even longer? Is it difficult to do that a couple times every year, as it were? You know, at the end of the day, no, because if it's a project you really want to work on, it just gets done. And you know exactly what needs to be done. You don't take on, uh, let me speak for myself, no. And, it, and I don't take on more than I know I can handle, one. Two, you know, if you are ordered and organized in your life, then needing to relocate yourself temporarily or longer than temporarily is not as, what is the word, daunting as one might think. And I'm very lucky because Toronto is very close to New York, only about 40 minutes in the air. You spend more time going through customs and immigration (laughs) than anything else. And Chicago is a flight city. So at least I'm going hub to hub to hub. And that makes 
relocating in any shape or form very doable. Yeah, and speaking of that, we're recording on a Tuesday. You had an off day on Monday, and I saw from your social media that you went back to New York uh, for the day off. <laughs> and that's the other thing that really makes it makes it okay to be away from the city if you're working on something you really want to do and really love. Um, is that on my day off after my matinee, I can zip to the city. Stay in the city for a couple of nights, enjoy the city, soak up the vibe, see some friends, get some things done, some straight out adulting, let's just call it, <laughs> um, and and then hop on a plane and get back here. And as long as you're willing to make those efforts, I've never not been willing, then it's it's really the best of both worlds until, you know, you're done with your project and you, you skip back home, yeah. you know? Well, I would imagine the two projects, the major, you know, out-of-town things that you've done this year with Suzatska and then Hamilton, I would imagine, yeah. though, that those were kind of different experiences since in Toronto you were rehearsing and working on building this brand new show while in Chicago you're obviously coming into an up and running production of a show that's already been finely tuned on Broadway before it became Chicago obviously from a professional theatrical standpoint that's different but how does that impact your life from a personal standpoint obviously I would imagine the time commitments would be a little different does that give you a little bit more flexibility you know one over the other um it doesn't actually, because at the end of the day, you are wiring your your creative brain to dive into making a musical, for me, in the case of Suzatska, really creating the foundations for this character and for the world she lives in, and then how she contributes to the larger piece, or you're wiring your brain to observe the world that is already established and figuring out how best to meet the piece where it is and join the flow. That's me looking at Hamilton, you know? So it is, uh, those things take equal amounts of energy, but they are, are at, at their heart, the, the same. From a rehearsal standpoint, though, do you, I mean, is it kind of a, like during the day, you know, you're not necessarily doing the same kind of things or is it kind of still, I guess what I'm getting at is, does it allow you to kind of live in Chicago maybe more than you did in Toronto because you were doing kind of slightly different work with a different schedule? If that makes sense. I, I don't know if I'm asking that question properly. No, I got it. I just, I just heard you. And thank you for clarifying. You know, being here once, now that I'm in Hamilton and things are up and running, the show is dense and very, very um, complex. So we spend a lot of time, frankly, as a company, rehearsing and hmm. noting. Um, so you would think we had lots of extra time, but the truth of it is, n not really, you know? At least I don't. And yeah. that's a good thing because the piece demands it. It really, really does. It's just brilliant, and it really demands it, which is not to say any other piece I have, I've worked on is <laughs> not equally brilliant, but it is a, a very different kind of theater, you know? Yeah. Um, and so far as, like, the creative force, what was required for Susatska, it was really first in the door and last out the door every day because we just had so much ground to cover. And a lot right. of it is trial and error. That's how you make the musical, you know? Yeah. You have to try all the ideas, and it takes time to do that. So, you know, the the flexibility was really, for me, reserved for days off or those slivers of time when I, you know, wasn't needed at rehearsal for an hour, that's the time to go take a quick walk in the park or, you know, sit outside for 15 or 20 <laughs> extra minutes and, you know, take in the kids playing in the preschool across the street. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, um, it's bits and pieces, but they happen in their own way in the respective cities on the respective projects. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, there again, it's a, a little different situation because Suzatka, you always knew that it was going to be a certain amount of time. I think you guys got there in January and the show closed in April or something. And then with uh, Hamilton, I don't know what your specific time is there, but I'm sure you have, you know, an idea as to how long you'll be there. But are you able to set down roots in a city that you're working in that's not New York? Or do you kind of approach it like you're a tourist for the whole run and kind of just, I'm going to go see this and do this? Or are you able to kind of get invested in your neighborhood or the community or anything like that? Sure. I definitely, I've always been that person. I definitely set down roots. Now, what roots really means is the difference. For example, Um, Earlier in my career, I spent a lot of time, I was based in New York, but I spent a lot of time traveling around the country working in the regions, which I absolutely loved. And I'm the kind of actor that even if I'm checking into the hotel for one night, I'm unpacking and putting things in their place and making a space for me. I tend to nest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that that helps me do the work I need to do. That helps me order my thoughts and settle and focus and feel comfortable so that I can I can uh, use wherever I am or wherever I'm living as sort of a launching pad into the work because it's always about the work for me, you know? So yes, I've sat down roots, as it were, here in Chicago, and I certainly did it in Toronto. And it's little things. Bring the books you're currently reading, a couple of pictures in frames that you love to see, put fresh flowers in the house, bring a favorite mm-hmm. candle. It's silly, but it absolutely makes a difference <laughs> because you need your creature comforts around you. Just like when a little kid travels and you see them with their favorite teddy bear or something, it's the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. I like, I like that analogy there. That's great. Yeah. It's just a grown up version of it. Do you know? Yeah. We all have things we want to cuddle to either physically or metaphorically. So I like that. Um, <laughs> I would imagine coming into Chicago, the the company at least partially was uh, established and they'd been there already. Did they, Were they able to kind of give you some suggestions or stability from the Chicago-specific kind of stuff when you got to town? Um, yes. You know, I, I arrived and my friend Daniel Breaker was currently in the Chicago company mm-hmm. uh, playing Burr and Karen Olivo was here playing Angelica. So I had an opportunity to reach out to both of them and they reached out to me as well. And we just had a chance to sort of, you know, parlay, as it were, just about the city, what's helpful, you know, what's around, uh, just to give me a few uh, directional ideas so you don't, you don't arrive somewhere really turned around, you know, and it's, it's a real kindness that I think uh, particularly actors do for one another. If, if we can be helpful to a new company member, especially getting around a city and learning a place and learning the world around the work, we absolutely do it. And I was very fortunate in this case, definitely. Even though they kind of announced um, the you know you guys at the same time with you going to Chicago and Daniel going to New York, you guys didn't actually perform at all in terms of overlapping. I don't know if you were there rehearsing when he was still there, though. Yes, I got here and, and started to rehearse, and Daniel was performing, and we missed each other by a hair. Did you, I just I just saw Daniel a, a couple of weeks ago in New York, and he's amazing in the role. I mean, so, so good. So I, I wish that you guys would have been able to do that show together. But um, I know, I, I know. I did get to see him, though, which was great. Like, oh. one of the wonderful things was arriving here, knowing that I was going to be working on the project, and just, you know, going out to the theater one night to see Hamilton Chicago, you know, yeah. and, and taking him in with the company and the piece in the space. It was very exciting, and he was fantastic. Yeah. I miss Karen altogether, but I did get to see Daniel, which was great. Yeah. 
That's great. Well, okay, so we've talked about the Chicago experience. Let's talk a little bit about this Hamilton experience. And one of the things that's really kind of fascinated me, not just about, you know, the initial hubbub of the New York run, but there's so many unbelievably talented and well-known performers such as yourself that have joined kind of the show's family, be it in New York as a replacement or in Chicago or California. And, you know, I'll speak frankly here. You don't see Tony nominees and Tony winners joining shows after they've been up for a while, but I would imagine that that speaks to just how special this piece is. You talked about how dense and unique it is that not only fans appreciate that, but it seems like performers appreciate that and want to be a part of it in some way. Everything you said is absolutely true. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, if you are, in my opinion, if you're an artist who is interested in creation, is interested in works that matter, works that speak to you, works that are of import, that are steeped and, and built on something that is truly, truly gifted, you just can't, you can't see or, or experience Hamilton and not be drawn to it. What is the thing about, is there a moment or a, a through line or a theme in the show that most spoke to you whenever it was the first time you saw it? Uh, y- yes. I mean, if I had to sum it up, I would use lyrics from the show. Of course, um, yeah. And it would be, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, who tells your story. And I remember seeing it for the first time downtown at the public and thinking, oh my God, <laughs> look what Lynn has done. Look what Lynn has done. I just kept saying that to myself. And, you know, I, I finished that viewing at the public and stood in the lobby waiting for my friends, all of my friends in this production, just, just telling the most incredible story. And I, I was so proud to be an American, proud to be a, a woman, proud to be a New Yorker. I was <laughs> full of just energy and, and emotion. And I had been taken on a journey. And what was really kind of amazing is that all of it is true in every, Every bit of the foundation we're standing on as, you know, Americans, this is directly linked to. It was just, it was overwhelming and completely profound. So who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Ooh. I love that. Yeah, that that's a very uh, Hamill fan thing of you to, to answer the question with a quote. So I'm glad that you're <laughs> you're getting into that whole spirit there. Um, I, I, it's so... Yeah, I mean, that, I mean it, it really is such a unique world that this show has created, not only for those of us in the theatrical community, whether it's from a media side or performer side, but the fact that it's so ignited a consciousness from outside of our community that it just seems like there's just something unique about the energy about this show that draws people to it, whether it's from a fan side or from a performer side. Yes. And you, if you, if you, if you tap into it, you can't resist it. You just, and it's, there's, it's so, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. It's so dense. It's so complex and beautiful and full that you can just keep deep diving and you don't ever have to stop whether you're on the outside of it or the inside of it, you know? Well, yeah, being, being on the inside, how, how are you able to dive into this? Obviously the show is, you know, so well known at this point and it's it it's sung through so that kind of limits some things too in terms of the flexibility you have but as you dive deeper into that how are you able to put your own um appreciation or understanding of angelica into the role well first of all i come to her with a very different set of life experiences than any other woman playing mm-hmm. her and i think that in and of itself makes every woman playing angelica a different being, but she's steeped in the same dots on the page and the chronology 
put down for her in the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Also, every day of my life is different. No two days are the same. And I come to her with that even incremental difference in the day before with her every night. So she never stops growing and she never stops showing me more that we have in common or that we don't have in common. And there's always something to explore. It never, never stops. It hasn't stopped. Since the moment I picked up the music and started to really learn and started to do my research on her, it's never stopped. And what I love about it is that I know I'll never get it all. And that's exciting. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's. I think a lot of people look at it and say, this is the way a role is supposed to be done, at least from a fan's perspective. This is how it was originally done. This is how it's supposed to be done. But these things are ever evolving. One, because the actor who comes into a role at a different time is a different person, like you said, but also times change and people change. So that's what's great about theater is that the shows and the characters, even if they are performed by the same people, will evolve over time. And that's what makes it so different and so special compared to things that are on film in some way or another. Absolutely. It is live theater. It is live performance. It is, it is, it has blood and bone. And when I'm standing on stage, I can hear people breathing. I can feel them (laughs) taking her in. You know what I mean? The the energy between us is cyclical. There is nothing like that in terms of uh, entertainment on the planet. You know what I mean? I feel the same way when I go to the ballet. I feel the same way when I go to the, you know, the opera, when I hear an orchestra or philharmonic play. It's, there's something about being in the room with no pun, intent, no pun intended on being <laughs> in the room there, right? I know. <laughs> the room where it happens. <laughs> uh, again, you're using the uh, the, the lyrics, but um, so speaking yeah. of that, speaking of you know having that relationship with the audience, how have the Chicago audiences been for you? I mean, not necessarily were they have they been good or bad, but have they been different than what you experience in a Broadway show in New York or even in Toronto, so to say? You know, I have discovered, even with Hamilton, that fans of a show are fans of a show, or people who love the theater are people who love the theater. Hmm. So the answer, the short answer is no. But hmm. Hamilton fans are beyond excited. <laughs> I mean, there's something, there is something different about this experience because Hamilton fans are beyond excited. I think some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, because the show is so in demand, it, it can be challenging sometimes to get access to it. You know what I mean? And so people have purchased tickets well in advance and waited a long time with much anticipation to take in the experience of Hamilton. And so every night, and this is so precious and I think really beautiful, um, every night when the lights go down for the top of the show, it's like people start screaming and clapping (laughs) and whooping and hollering and yelling in the theater because it is an event. It is an event. We've waited a long time. People have driven a long way. I hear this all the time at the stage door. Birthdays and anniversaries and major life events are being celebrated with the taking in of Hamilton. So we're we're a part of a of, of major life experiences <laughs> for a lot of the people who come to see the piece, who come to experience Hamilton. And I am very very privileged and proud to be counted among them. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I would imagine that as a performer you understand that that's probably the case but does it ever get to the point where that can be a little i don't know intimidating to know that because this show is what it is that there might be 
a little different level of expectations for you than if it was, you know, something on Broadway, you know, Les Mis or Memphis or something else? Does does that give you kind of a different sense of responsibility to the audience? Or is it just the same because you have pride in the work that you do no matter what it is? It is the same because I have pride in the work that I do (laughs) no matter what it is. Precisely. Well, good. That's awesome. Well, um, I I, want to leave this here and I'll let you go on this. But as you've been in Chicago, I assume you're, you're there now. It's kind of they're getting that magnificent mile, as you talked about, kind of getting it all spruced up for the holidays. Do you have any specific holiday things that you're really looking forward to in Chicago specifically? Um, I am really looking forward, actually, to taking in, um, this sounds silly, but I do the same thing in New York, so I can't imagine I wouldn't enjoy it here, and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Um, taking in the store windows on the Magnificent Mile. <laughs> um, I always love seeing, like, the motifs for the holidays. Macy's is very nearby, and, and it's, you know, the biggest one here, so I'm very excited about, like, checking out the windows and all the wonderful decor. And, you know, Chicago is notorious for its beautiful, snowy, Mm-hmm. hard winters. So I'm looking forward to a lot of actual beautiful snow, you know, mm-hmm. like just w- winter time and winter beauty. I know people find the cold and, and this part of the seasonal changes intimidating and upsetting and very, you know, hard on the body and things and things of that nature. But there is a beauty in it, just like there's a beauty in, you know, living in a city and living in the suburbs or the country. There's beauty in all of it. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to watching the city change around me as the seasons change and how that feeds the energy that I take then, you know, to work or into life with me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMATT. And you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find Montego on Twitter and Instagram at Montego Glover. And on Facebook if you search her name. That is M-O-N-T-E-G-O-G-L-O-V-E-R. And we will have links to all of this in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. Tell Me More is produced by me. Special thanks to Montego Glover and the man without whom none of Broadway radio is possible, James Marino, as well as Lisa Goldberg of LSG Public Relations. Thanks again for listening, and remember how lucky we are to be alive right now. Always get that second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. <laughs>